Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Angsty Zebra. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Angsty Zebra, the Bobo the Angsty Zebra podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio re-podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bobo the Angsty Zebra. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, despite a few little detours there, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Do please give us a follow Give us a like, give us a share, do whatever you do on social medias when it comes to that, because we like it. And we started a community all to talk about BoJack Horseman and Podcast Horseman, and we like you being a part of it. And if you'd like to follow either of your hosts, you can also do that. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you could follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. And you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow now. They've recently done an update where it's follow instead of subscribe. That terminology shouldn't matter, but this is just a little bit of a kind of production note from us. If we're not appearing in your Apple Podcast feed, uh, we are aware of issues with Apple Podcasts. They are not with us. So please do look for us elsewhere. Have a look for us on Spotify, maybe download Overcast or something like that. Um, Acast, where you can subscribe to the podcast or indeed you can listen through the streaming link that we'll post every Friday on the App Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Amazon Music. I'm not even going to bury them this week because potentially we need other avenues for you to find Podcast Horseman, which is what we want to do. We want to get more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse. But yes, if you are having trouble with Apple, that might be why. Um, we assume that Apple will be fixed soon, but there's just there's other ways to find Podcast Horseman pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. In the meantime, if you are finding us on Apple, no problem. We would love you to leave us a five-star review through the app. It helps us get up those uh, all-important Apple podcast charts. Uh, you can do the same on Spotify, I do believe. Leave us a five-star review, uh, say something nasty, say something nice, and you have a chance of getting included in our Hollywood Talk of Fame. For new listeners, and as always, if you're new, why are you new here? Get yourself all the way back to episode one. Um, we would typically induct people into our Hollywood Talk of Fame for the simple act of leaving a five-star review. We'll read review out, we'll read your name out at the end of every episode. For season five, it's quote tweet. Um, every Friday, the link to the episode will go up on the at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Quote tweet that out, send it out to your followers, give them a little bit of information about Podcast Horseman, and you too could get your very own special season five star. We've got another one of them coming at the end of this episode. Yes, indeed we do. And I have heard rumours through the grapevine, although you can never believe the grapevine, Michael, always put little whispers that perhaps this weekend coming soon could be some stars in the sky for some Ooh. of our podcast horsemen listeners. But as we all know, the source for that 
is not 100% reliable because it doesn't <laughs> come from the horse's mouth. Anyway, speaking of which, let's go to the mouth of Netflix, shall we? That doesn't sound weird at all. For the latest synopsis for this week's episode of Bojack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman, we are on Season 5, Episode 7, titled Int.Sub. Diane's therapist encourages her to set boundaries with Bojack. A missing string cheese ignites a dispute between Todd and Princess Carolyn. And as you might have picked up from during the introduction to this podcast this week, things got a little bit weird and a little bit different this week, Michael. Although maybe not giant barrels of lube weird, but definitely (laughs) slightly different to the normal pace of things, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, they are not, for the most part, all what they may seem, but we are about to find out why. We start uh, with two women meeting in Sandro's Place, the Italian restaurant we see all the various regular characters meeting. They're married, they're on a date, and they're talking through their days. One, Mary Beth, is in corporate mediation. The other, Dr. Indira, is a therapist. Bojack Horseman's therapist, as it turns out. We learn this because although she won't divulge client information to Mary Beth, she will talk in detail about Bobo the Angsty Zebra, which takes us into the full episode. It's a very brief cold open, but that teases up for what we're going to get. Uh, Dr. Indira starts her story talking about having a session with Diane, or Diana, as she corrects herself to indeed protect, um, you know, kind of client confidentiality. The Diane character suddenly is morphs uh, through the animation into a hybrid of Diane and Princess Diana in the sort of the uh, kind of iconic white dress she wore once with the blonde hair and the tiara in, but with Diane's signature green jacket. Um, in the office, uh, having her therapy, Diane uh, has has something co- uh, Dr. Indira calls the Bobo tape, which of course we all know is Bojack's revelation about everything that happened in New Mexico. She knows it's bad and she's concerned that Bojack hasn't shared with her the intimate details of what exactly is specifically bad about it um she does want to talk uh, as evidence through a flashback that we have on set um she's speaking to bojack and he's not quite right mentally because of beatrice's death he's trying to do that thing with everybody where he doesn't want to talk about it and he doesn't want to make it a big deal then gets furious when nobody wants to talk about it with him and make it a big deal um he tells absolutely everybody on set just to go about the business you know normally but then like really petulantly deflects everything to Diane when she actually does try to talk to him about it. He's not being forthright, despite the fact that everything he's doing is effectively a cry for help. Back in the therapy session with Diane, Dr. Indira suggests that she focus on work instead, which results in another cut back to, quote, Diana speaking to Flip, or again, for the sake of a name change, Flippy, who of course is a dolphin, speaking entirely in dolphin, clicks and speaks, but with all the subtitles across the bottom, where he is very much like Flip McVicker. It's quite funny seeing the dolphin delivering Flip's sexist, misogynistic kind of like brush-offs to Diane, but through a dolphin lying on the floor, stressed out, full of like little clicks and ticks. Um, Flippy, as he is called, gives her a script that says, quote, interior sub which of course is the episode title because he was wanting a subway set but they built an entire submarine set which has brought the entire film in a film to a standstill um then as a result need to write in a full submarine scene that wasn't part of the story before this set was already built flippy is very stressed and he, uh, he boots diane out of the office and she walks right flashback into bojack he's right in her face he says quote did you hear my mom died um that feels a good place to pause and because we're going to go back to the therapy session in a minute uh what you make of this as a really cute premise as our first glimpse of bojack dealing with beatrice's death in a public sphere rather than in of course the funeral setting that we had last week 
and Diane's concerns being brought to the front for the first time about the New Mexico recording. Mm, a massive contrast, this, isn't it? Where you think where mm. we left off an entire episode of just Bojack and just the monologue. Well, if not including, of course, Michael, the giant pile of lizards or geckos that were also <laughs> with him at the funeral. But uh, a huge change of pace for him because now he's obviously back in front of a large audience trying to just be normal and be like, I'm not bothered, but clearly this is having an effect on him in, in a strange and wonderful way, much as mourning anybody has a tendency to do, comes out in weird and wonderful ways. And I guess that almost, like the weird and wonderful of it is almost what they lean into for this episode, don't they? Because it's quite an interesting uh, like plot device, this, to talk about the characters and obviously a great uh, a great thing for the, from an animation perspective because we get the freshen up everything with a little bit of a funny take on everything. Bojack is a zebra. Our zebra looks very, very weird, doesn't it? Like, mm. But I'm immediately interested. Like, And <laughs> Diana's Princess Diana, which, by the way, how many times have we accidentally called her Princess Diana and this by mixing the names Princess Carolyn and Diane and putting them all together? It's just an... an entertaining payoff perhaps that we weren't quite intended but yes Bojack not dealing with this very well and things on set looking very much not like things <laughs> on set feel very reflective of where Bojack's head is right about now too yes most definitely yeah visually um you kind of write the point out it's like getting to see all these characters and their away kits basically mm, yes yeah. it's, it's like it's a real like pleasing like burst of energy that you didn't realize perhaps like you know you don't need it from this show these characters have got to Bojack's got to mourn uh, Diane's kind of like struggling through therapy, struggling through a divorce, struggling brackets general, and yet for a second, this bizarre splash of colour and splash of difference takes you away from that. It's funny because I guess like Dr. Indira is trying to trivialise their issues for the benefit of a conversation over dinner with her wife and is maybe doing the same to us as viewers. We're kind of like, the more you see through her eyes, the more this can remain a story about her clients at work rather than these characters that we've lived with for five years. Yeah, it makes them more accessible, doesn't it? Which, ironically, is something that Bojack tends... It, the show, Bojack Horseman, tends to be really good at itself. Taking Like, we're already in a layer of that, aren't we? Of yeah. Making these characters accessible because they're all anthropomorphic. That's the whole, <laughs> the whole funniness of this situation is this is just like an additional layer on top of yeah. that that we're getting from a different storyteller. It's... Um... It's all sort of very cutely laid out how this episode's going to go. And we get one little um, bit of therapy between Dr. Indira and Diane, um, where she suggests that uh, Diane use therapy as an excuse to not speak to Bojack because she's finding the interactions too awkward, um, which takes us back to the restaurant with Dr. Indira noting that maybe inserting herself into Diane's story was perhaps an error. More on that later indeed. And it's over to Mary Beth now, whose own um, workplace discussion uh, is to do with um, some mediation between characters that she calls, quote, Emperor Fingerface and a tangled fog of pulsating yearning, which for our benefit, like I, I can't do that all the way through the review. For our benefit. Yes, you can. And yes, you will. <laughs> That's Todd and Princess Carolyn, uh, respectively. She's. I do know, not. I do not recognise the names of these people. You've just. Who is Todd and Princess <laughs> Carolyn? What do you mean? For, for context, Todd is virtually Todd's real body, but Emperor Fingerface, of course, has the full head and face of a hand with Todd's hat on one of the fingers. Um, and you know, you don't need me to explain a tangled fog of pulsating yearning, surely. Everybody uh, was. <laughs> pretty clear even just from the audio of this podcast you don't even need to watch it to understand that could you suggest michael perhaps that in fitting with everything else that maybe 
That is a hand of Todd on his head, oh, perhaps. Oh, very nice, very nice. There's one for free. <laughs> Somebody kicked around a theory that Todd might be God, and this theory just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm trying to keep out with all that stuff myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're at, um, obviously, Princess Carolyn's apartment. They're obviously, Todd's still sleeping on the sofa, living together, and they appear to be functioning really, really well. Like They look like kind of a, a high-functioning, cohabiting couple at this point, the way they can just like interact with each other, bounce off each other, what you're doing with the day, all that kind of thing. Um, but Todd just has like kind of passing concerns about Princess Carolyn not eating enough. Otherwise, no drama, nothing to worry about. Um, we cut back, though, to Princess Carolyn in Todd's office, uh, uh, what time is it right now? Uh, and she's asking for office space on a set of filbert, of course, with Todd. Um, having that high-powered job is something you can do. You can sign off as a budgeting sort of thing. Um, she's knocked together all the paperwork, so literally all Todd has to do is sign it. Makes a very big ceremonial gesture of reaching into his pocket to grab his pen to do it. But, Nicholas, why would we be learning about them through corporate mediation if there wasn't something to mediate? A mere mention of string, which of course is what this Princess Carolyn character is made of, <laughs> triggers a massive bout of rage from Todd about Princess Carolyn eating his last cheese string from the fridge. Todd believes uh, this to be a workplace dispute rather than a personal one, which is how Mary Beth is dragged into their orbit. Um, we're going to pause that a little bit there because Dr. Indira is still stuck on Bobo the Angsty Zebra's issues. Um, back on set, nothing is happening because of the subway submarine confusion. And Bojack, this is great. Again, because we're getting the story through uh, Dr. Indira. Bojack is ranting to Gino, who is just Gino, <laughs> short hair and a moustache. Um, he's ranting about the fact that still nobody on set um, cares about his mother being dead. Um, she offers him sex to just sort of like clear his head. He's not interested in that. She offers him food. I think it's pie. Um, he's mad keen, so she goes to get him pie. Um, he, then, <laughs> he then has a chat with, see if you can guess who this is, Mr. Chocolate Hazelnut Spread. It's a, it's a very enthusiastic dog associate of, of Bobo the Angsty Zebra. <laughs> who, uh, who knows, luckily, luckily for Mr. Chocolate Hazelnut Spread, he's never lost a loved one. You see, his mother got old and just moved to a farm. Like, everybody in his family at this point, Gino comes back and be like, oh, dude, your mom's dead. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the game away here. It's Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut Butter only realises... Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> I know. Only realises right now, for the first time in his whole life, that his mother is dead. <laughs> the farm that he has imagined where his, his mother moved to is a myth and his mother is dead. He breaks down completely. Um, which just infuriates Bojack that already there is somebody else's mother to grieve over instead of his own. So he slinks off to go and speak to Diane, but she hurriedly notes that, um, obviously, as we learned earlier in the episode, her therapist doesn't think it's a particularly good idea for them to talk, and she dashes away from the scene. Um, while this is going on, we see like the support growing for Mr. Peanut Butter from all of the colleagues as, like, Bojack is just left to grumble at his awesome, super efficient grieving. Already he's mastered this thing that Bojack has struggled to deal with for, we're guessing, weeks. And within the space of the two minutes that Bo, uh, that Mr. Peanut Butter has learned about the death of his mother, he's already got the full support of the casting crew. It's as if he's bought a food truck or something. He's that loved by these people. Mm. Um, we'll go briefly back to Mary Beth's uh, cheese string mediation of course now Todd and Princess Carolyn have brought their dispute to her office um, Princess Carolyn's less keen but Todd 
being Todd has, turned, has basically turned this into a B-plot when no plot was necessary. Um, Todd goes into ludicrous detail about waiting a week to eat his cheese string, but when he got there, it was gone. Princess Carolyn reiterates that she didn't eat it. It was probably just Todd. But then Todd notes that she, quote, drifts around like she owns the place, suggesting that there might actually be a little bit more to this than just cheese strings, even though she does literally own the place. <laughs> Uh, we again go back to uh, Bojack uh, bursting into Dr. Indira's office, which results in Dr. Era, Dr. Indira bursting back into the story, uh, angry with whatever that she said to Diane. Um, he won't take a seat in the office because he doesn't trust therapists. He doesn't like the idea of it. But we get that title card gag again saying, quote, 45 to 50 minutes later, he's lying on the sofa. You see his head looking up at the ceiling. He's unloading that traditional sort of therapist office pose. Um, <laughs> they have the their conversation ends because Dr. Indira's got a new client coming in next. So Bojack thanks her, thinking that she's his new best friend. He's not got a therapist, he's just got a new best mate. Uh yeah, another good time to pause because this episode is moving at kind of a breakneck pace. We now have Todd and Princess Carolyn introduced to the world through these characters that Mary Beth has brilliantly created. We've got a bit more on Bojack, on therapy, on Diane. Um, and what's really cute as well, obviously, is that they've managed to just about, in a way that we're not going to in this episode of Podcast Horseman, force the A and B narrative. There's some more on that later on, but it's quite nice how they've found a way to suddenly, from the most bizarre and unconventional circumstances, treat us to a conventional episode of Bojack. Almost like Bojack Horseman, or oh, sorry, Bobo the Angsty Zebra, Michael, is better than the show you like. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like that. But yeah, this is, um, only they could take something like this mad when you think about the concept. I love how much Mary Beth overcompensates in this idea where she can come up with <laughs> and be creative. So like, all that's really happened in Dr. Indira's story is she's just changed a few of the names, hasn't she? Which has resulted in Mary Beth seeing them differently in her head rather than actually them being crazy, which has then made him go, why don't I get creative and give Todd a hand for a head, make Princess Carolyn this ball of yarn, essentially, that's floating around, which is yearning, but it's blatantly just floating <laughs> gaseous yarn in a weird way. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing, Michael, just does a really nice job of just, like, making it accessible for you to get into it. I find, <laughs> for the first time, really, I think, you see Todd getting quite like annoyed and angry about this. There's feels like there's a lot going on here that maybe has been left unsaid, obviously, which is kind of the whole reason why they're going through it. But the the real sort of people in denial about what's going on seems to be the theme here. And Bojack obviously finally going to see Doctor Indira and eventually becoming her. Do we just become best friends? Like <laughs> when in actual fact he's managed to find a loophole almost brilliantly, uh, almost brilliantly. To go and talk about the problems and feelings he's having, not just with his man, but in life in general, at a time when he really needs to. But it's definitely not therapy, Michael. It's it's um it's very early Tony Soprano, Dr. Melfi turned to a hundred, because at least Tony has accepted the circumstances of why he's in therapy in season one, even if it isn't becoming of a mafioso to be there. Bojack or Bobo believes himself to be exactly the same. Somebody above it is a principle that he doesn't really believe in it as a concept. He doesn't trust any of it. And he's so, um, well, he's so like egotistical, I guess. And he's so vain 
that it's actually the perfect destination for him. Mm. It's why 45 to 50 minutes go by in such a day and he could have kept talking all day, laid back on that sofa. This has been the sort of thing that he's needed all along. Like, you wonder if this is real. Most of the plot of Bojack Horseman doesn't exist if Bojack goes and gets a bit of therapy in season one. (laughs) (laughs) Cover off a lot of this without the death and decay of so many people he knows. There's probably a good reason why we've never really had Bojack go and do a therapy, a proper therapy <laughs> session until, what, season five, episode seven? Because we wouldn't have made it past season one or two, probably, at that point, would we? He'd have actually have progressed. Um, which, indeed, this episode well, you does. That, you say that, though, but for any... But, well, yeah, did it really help Tony Soprano in the long run, Michael? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. That's what you should be asking yourself. Thank God that didn't as well. Um, <laughs> we Right. To keep it on trend, to give me a segue, we go back to the Italian restaurant where there's some more delicious looking food being consumed. And uh, Mary Beth, <laughs> this is great, lovely meta gag here. Mary Beth and Dr. Indira <laughs> know how their stories offer nice alternatives to each other. Despite it not exactly being a natural way to have a conversation, they're going to drop in and out of the plots chronologically rather than just speaking to each other about their mysterious clients of the day. Um, it's back to the film that set we go because as they've kind of established at this point, what is more of an A plot than a B plot in terms of our conversation? Uh, where Bobo, the angsty zebra, is noticing is noting to Princess Diana that he's made a new best friend in Dr. Indira. Diane is understandably very, very rattled by this. She needs, imagine her needing her therapist just for her and not sharing it with Bojack. Bojack can't understand this, of course. Um, but he goes to Dr. Indira and says, quote, out of respect for her, uh, he, <laughs> out of respect for <laughs> Diane, he wants to see Dr. Indira behind her back. <laughs> This is great as well. In order to like think that he's got her on the hook for some secret plan, he, he offers to pay her for it, so it looks like a therapist-client relationship. <laughs> we get another great title card gag that says, quote, one incredibly one-sided conversation later. And yet again, he's unloading in that therapist position. Uh, Dr. Indira keeps up the pretense of uh, their friendship hour, they call it, at which point... Uh, <laughs> At which point it goes back to the dinner between Mary Beth and Dr. Indira, where Dr. Indira is asking her if uh, she should have told the truth. She's feeling a little bit guilty about kind of leading Bojack on about this therapy being under false pretenses. Mary Beth offers her a little bit of solace and says, you know, you're just trying to do right by these people. You're in this industry to help. Before going back to her industry, going back to the mediation, which is still ongoing between Todd and Princess Carolyn. Todd goes to the toilet, at which point Mary Beth kind of like leans into Princess Carolyn and just says, you know, this might be one of them easy life quick wins. Why don't you just tell him what he needs to hear? You ate the cheese string. And at least you'll get your office and we can just end all this. Moreover, because she doesn't want her work to get any more difficult, expensive or time consuming. Todd comes back in and PC does just that. She begrudgingly admits, uh, you know, to have eaten it. Todd seems happy. All seems well-ish. Princess Carolyn can't quite leave it there. She takes the blame, but then does argue that cheese is, quote, fair game food. Uh, and was she even in the wrong for taking it in the first place? Todd gets infuriated about this. We've already learned about the process that Todd goes through when he looks forward to eating his cheese string. And he starts frantically listing other fair game foods. <laughs> Princess Carolyn quite rightfully notes that everything is fair game in her apartment, which takes the route, unfortunately, on from mediation to arbitration. It's the last thing Mary Beth wanted. And you could also say that Princess Carolyn Michael just couldn't 
considering she is a floating ball of whatever yarn at this point, <laughs> just couldn't help but pulling on that thread, could she? She had to just couldn't. go and follow it a little bit further just to get on a Todd skin. If there's one thing we've learned over these seasons, if you'll remember earlier on in the show's history, one thing Todd loves more than anything on this planet is food. Do not mess with Todd's food. If he has a calzone, don't you be putting a fork in it. Todd <laughs> wants to make sure he gets to eat that. Specifically, things like cheese strings, processed stuff. Yeah. Processed stuff that you can dip in other processed stuff. To yeah. him, that's the most important meal of the day. Um, the, weirder, the weirder and more accessible the food, the better, I think, for Todd. Yeah, the more trouble you're going to make with Todd for like disrupting his flow. Yeah. Um, we go back to the set where Diane is back in Flip's office, um, but he's only managed to complete an utter nonsense because he's a hack. They all are. Um, he's worried about people thinking, <laughs> this is good actually, because of the submarine subway confusion, he's worried about people thinking he's too much of a genius, which <laughs> Diane manages to sort of politely lap off. Um, they get on to talking about what ghosts might be haunting Philbert. They're kind of on this on this track where like ghosts might be the answer to get them out of this, mm. this creative uh, cul-de-sac they're in. Uh, how a submarine could possibly factored into Bojack <laughs> seeing ghosts. Um, sorry, Philbert seeing ghosts. Um, he's just not offering much, so she leaves. Um, yet again, she bumps into Bojack almost as soon as she leaves the office. Uh, and he tries to keep it on work, but hits her with this, quote, you are not responsible for the dysfunction of others, which shocks Diane into asking where he might have got that insight from. And she knows the answer before she's asked the question. Um, so Bojack stalls unconvincingly as Diane realises the fix is in and they're still working together until the uh, conversation is broken up by Princess Carolyn. Um, as Princess Carolyn, which takes us back to the restaurant where Mary Beth has clocked the name Princess Carolyn. And of course, we know that she's dealing with Princess Carolyn in her every day. So, in a kind of a flash of panic, Dr. Indira changes it to Priscilla Crustacean, a flamenco dancing lobster caricature who, and again, this is an audio medium, but it's given us the greatest demonstration of that. Again, like, it's just more like, I, I, I nearly, to my fault, called it cartoonish because I'm somehow able to forget, <laughs> yeah. able to forget that I'm watching a cartoon yeah. uh, some of the time. Um but anyway, um, as a result of this mention that Princess Carolyn was on the set to break up this conversation between Diane and Bojack, Mary Beth is working through something herself um, as a result of obviously Princess Carolyn being there and her trying to like work out times of day and where people were. She thinks that she's maybe had a breakthrough in her mediation as a result of this revelation. Um, but Dr. Indira wants to get to the juicy bit of her story first because this is not a natural conversation. This is about an A and a B plot. Um, Diane... Um, breaks in to a Bojack therapy session with Dr. Indira to like have this all out in the open. She's devastated and furious. Um, but Bojack protests that he wanted to speak to her, but can't. He's disappointed that he couldn't use her friend and instead he's had to go to her friend's therapist. Um, Dr. Indira tries to mediate between the two of them, but Diane notes that it doesn't feel like a safe space anymore. It doesn't feel like a place where she can be honest. Dr. Indira surprisingly then says that their time is done. Their relationship is over. She suggests that these are boundaries and um, that it's good for Diane to have actually finally set. Um, 
it's been a long time that they've been talking together, but now maybe she can go and finally live her life because she's had a breakthrough that Dr. Indira hasn't seen before this very moment. So Diane leaves, uh, devastated and angry. But um, before we can kind of like follow up on that, we go back to the restaurant where Mary Beth is legitimately shocked, obviously with uh, Dr. Indira, um, that she's picked Bojack over Diane in what we learned to be a seven-year client-therapist relationship. This is no recent thing that Dr. Indira is deciding to sever. Um, but Dr. Indira does the, quote, can't hold myself responsible for other people's dysfunction line, which has obviously been delivered by Bodak and Diane. Uh, Mary Beth does know that that is kind of a job as a therapist. Uh, <laughs> but they kind of, they move past that anyway. Um, she sort of follows up by saying that, like, Dr. Indira follows up by saying that she can at least actually help Bojack, which is kind of the tacit implication that maybe she can't help Diane anymore. Um, but that cuts to Bojack binning off Dr. Indira himself. He uh, believes himself to be fully cured now that Diane has uh, has left the therapy. Um, she's lost both clients as a result of this. She has very much backed the wrong horse, as everyone hey. does. Um, Mary Beth rather astutely notes that she probably helped them both in ways they'll never know. We may find out how that has proven to be true later on. Back to Princess Carolyn and Todd, uh, and they're drawing ridiculous lines around the apartment as to who owns what. You know, it's sticky labels on bits of food, it's lines of demarcation on the floor, that old sitcom trope. Um, but then Todd gets a call from Mary Beth, who confirms that Princess Carolyn was on the set when the cheese went missing, nullifying the arbitration agreement completely, um, which, of course, she's extremely pleased about. Um, Todd admits to Princess Carolyn that he only really wanted it to be a workplace dispute because he feared Princess Carolyn kicking him out if it became a personal one. Um, they agree he'll start paying rent and Princess Carolyn can have her office. It's a great deal that they could have come to at the very start of the episode. Um, once again, he makes the grand gesture about getting the pen out of his pocket to finally sign the papers. And as he does so, he reaches in and pulls out the missing cheese string. We get, you know, a payoff that I hope suits my tone of voice that. It's kind of like wacky circus clown dentist type music. Princess Carolyn delivers the hardest of sighs. It almost is a character realising that she's been in a pointless B-plot. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's, Todd's wacky payoff. She's been sucked into that vortex. But of course, it's more serious back in the world of Diane and Bojack. Diane visits Bojack. I should point out now, Diane visits Bojack. We are no longer being told the story through Dr. Indira. We are back living the lives of the characters. Um, still on the set of Filbert. Um she apologises to him uh, and thinks Dr. Indira is going to be good for Bojack, which is at the point at which he tells her that he's dumped her and he rebuffs all of that. Um, Diane is absolutely infuriated by this because, of course, she is. Uh, but then Bojack fires back at her. He blames Diane for supposedly not being there for him. And that's why he had to go to Dr. Indira in the first place. But when she yet again offers him a chat about the one very obvious thing he's struggling to deal with this week... He still won't talk. He still won't confront the issues with her face to face. Diane's had enough and just really loses it, particularly when Bojack says, quote, you're just as screwed up as I am. And then, come on, it's me. We're the same. She violently protests that we are not the same and then races into Flip's office. She's full of piss and vinegar. She's typing up something and Flip loves it, whatever that is. Um, we get to uh, Mr. Peanut Butter on the set thanking everybody for helping him through grieving his dead mother. They couldn't have been more supportive before instantly realising that his dad is also dead. 
<laughs> he has to figure out at the same time that every single member of his family has gone to the same farm to die. And he's chalking them off, chalking them off one by one. Um, but there's no time for the grieving of the dad because it is finally time to film Philbert. They've got the submarine scene set by Anne's knocked out all these pages of copy and they're good to go. Submarine, submarine scene turns out to be a quote, routine submarine sting, where Bojack and uh, Mr. Peter Butter's characters are killing a bunch of drug smugglers on a submarine for some inadequately explored reason. Um, and we're shown this scene through Filbert talking to Gina's character. They're doing kind of a flashback within the episode of Filbert. We were on the submarine and this thing happened. It's that sort of a, kind of like cliched crime drama setup. Um, they find themselves... Uh, Bojack finds himself specifically having to save a young girl from these drug smugglers. Turns out they weren't just smuggling drugs, they were smuggling her as well. The girl is 17, they make that explicitly clear. I should point out at this point as well, there's been no time to learn the lines, so all these lines are on cue cards that are being cycled through by the stagehands, so the characters are reading off the cards, kind of like going through the lines for the first time, which kind of shocks Bojack when they're asked to go through this scene where it turns out the girl is only 17. The girl passionately kisses Bojack and Diane and Flip shouting from off the side to kiss her back kiss her kiss her kiss her so again under kind of peer pressure from the, the cast and crew he's kissing the 17 year old girl in the submarine flashback because it's a flashback he goes back to gina and he's telling the story and suddenly the story becomes word for word what was on the tape diana's found a way to finally confront bojack about this and she's picked the most public one imaginable um including right down to the detail of protesting that he is, quote, a good guy. My word, he says, good guy a lot. As Gina notes, quote, you kissed a young girl and you left her to die. Uh, as Bojack hits the, quote, how can you make something right when you made it so wrong you can never go back? Infamous kind of like moment of realisation he has on the tape. All of this is in the dialogue of the show. Every painful word. Flip kind of whispers to Diane off the set, like, how did you come up with this? And she says, quote, it's a story I heard once. I just changed the names. What an absolutely incredible, inspired, like almost coming together. The loose threads, as you say, all being yeah. tied up in time before we hit those credits. Uh, and Bojack reads the line and we find out that the interior of the submarine is from the USS New Mexico. Clang! Uh, Gina's character asks why he's even telling us all this, at which point Philbert's character says, quote, it's just good to have someone to talk to. The camera's cut. Everybody walks away from set. Job well done. Flip is calling himself a genius. This piece of television. <laughs> Everybody leaves until it's only Diane and Bojack. And we get the acoustic strum that we used to that normally comes with the credits. Only it's not the credits. It's a repeat of the strum, cuts to Diane's face. A repeat of the strum, cuts to Bojack's face. A repeat of the strum, cuts to Diane's face. And then we get the credits. One character forlorn, one character absolutely scathing, and scene. Oh, man. You know, if only there'd been some warning, Michael, about this. <laughs> if only in the episode, someone, somewhere along the line, had done a meta breakdown and said that I have a feeling it will continue to offer a light alternative as my story gets increasingly serious. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, Michael, they delivered. They, they delivered. What an absolutely amazing, amazing 
vehicle, not the submarine, of course, the whole episode to just end up delivering the point that we needed to get to, which is, let's face it, it was the big smoking gun that went off at the end of Bojack the Feminist episode, where we found out uh, that um, Anna Sponacobada had given a play Diane the tape, didn't we? And you think about it, they've literally, they literally made that creative choice in that episode, and then we put it on the back burner for two full episodes. We just haven't, let's be not. We had the Amelia Earhart story, which is all about Princess Carolyn, and then we had Free Churro. We literally haven't dealt with this at all. There's been two episodes where that's just sat and festered, and the one they bring us back into is one where they almost trick you into thinking it's going to be as wacky as the episode with the axolotls and the, the lube and the, um, the Yolanda's family. But it's actually not. It's it's really, really well done, this, the way they've they tore the line so perfectly and get exactly where they need to go. Oh, and the way they do it with Bojack. And the, the things they're dealing with here, it's simultaneously the, the long, difficult relationship between Diane and Bojack is like sort of dealt with in this episode. Mm. Diane's feelings towards working on this project as a whole, not dealt with, but certainly addressed in this episode. Bojack's obviously the passing of his mother in Free in free Churro. We've brought it all in this one episode through all these the multiple narratives that we've had. And they've just... How do they do it, Michael, is the question. Every time we finish an episode like this, I find myself thinking, how do they do it? When Diane literally says, it's a story I heard once, I just changed all the names. Oh. They make the they make it relevant. Like... I know that sounds like really very like basic analysis, but it should because it's too good. It's too good to for me to like not be impressed by it. Do you know what? I think it might be because I I completely agree, and I was thinking the same thing. And you kind of you're knocked off your chair with these reveals in this show, um, and like these sort of line deliveries. That. They're so good. Bojack is so good. We've just off. We're just off the back of Free Churro, right? Which is in its kind of a concept album of an episode, right? And but Bojack's done it before, so we're comfortable in the universe of episodes like Free Churro coming along every now and then. Yeah. Episodes eleven typically go this way. Uh, Fish out of water went that way. So we've been eased into the fact that Bojack might do this as a show. Then adjacent to that, you've got the likes of the farce comedy episodes, um, which can lean heavy on something like the Todd and Princess Carolyn plot for the benefit of providing like ingenious set dressing for a bigger a bigger by point of discussion but that line and the way that they the so like diane's decision to just bring it into the show and the reveal how how are these two characters finally going to have this moment of conflict that they need to have in order to move the show forward and move the plot forward is getting back to traditional prestige television so mm. bojack is prestige television for, for so many reasons that you forget that it does the generic prestige television which is to yeah. just Deliver incredible payoffs, deliver incredible writing, awesome direction, amazing acting. All that stuff has kind of become its meat and drink. And it's like, ah, oh, now here's a monologue episode. And now here's no dialogue whatsoever. Mm. Now here's um, an acid trip. And, yeah. you know, like all of these sort of things. You forget that, like, they're, like, this is like bread and butter stuff. This is this is Sopranos Wire level. Like, Sopranos and the Wire can't really. They're, you know, tiptoe around those types of things. But mm. it has to be more of the right into a big payoff, right into a huge delivery, right into an amazing character realisation. Bojack allows you to forget that they do that sometimes. Yeah. And this is just a fantastic traditional one off the back of an episode that yet again has played with the form. We've had yet another atypical presentation of a story only for your just system to be shocked by... Um, mm. I don't want to use the word standard. 
But do you know what I mean? Like a uniform yeah. way of doing it, but the best kind of way of doing it. It's, yeah, it's like I often find myself trying to explain these kinds of episodes and mm. genuinely like because the first time we watched it properly critically, like obviously we watched I've watched it many times before, but these episodes yeah. breaking them down and actually seeing the way that the mechanics were working throughout this episode and the hand of the author that was moving, not the hand of Todd's head, of course, the hand of the actual <laughs> author. And like they just make you forget. They make you forget about things and they make you, but while simultaneously making absolutely everything that has happened relevant. Like it is always relevant. Like, and that's impossible. It's impossible to keep it, to keep that standard that high. And they do it every single time. And, and I, the, the look, the, even the look, the animation in Bojack's face when he's realizing what Diane has managed to do. Diane, who somehow almost managed to do therapy inadvertently and a breakthrough with Bojack and having a conversation with him that he doesn't want to have necessarily, better than any therapist in this episode. Like, Diane breaks through and finds a way to do it, all summarized inside the title of an episode that comes from a script of flips, which isn't even meant to be internal sub being internal submarine, and the submarine itself being the pressure cooker that as you yeah. get lower in the water, things get more intense and more intense and more intense until something bursts. People say that, that phrase often, but there are layers to this. There are mm. levels to this. This show, man, is just, it's something. A powerhouse, Michael. A, a, powerhouse. a total powerhouse. And like, like one last thing, then I swear I've got to shut up this podcast ever. We know that not to be true. But like one last thing, because I didn't feel like I was able to, like articulate this as we were going through the plot. It's a very, very fast moving episode. This you are not, you are so not permitted because of time constraints to be enraged on Diane's behalf. Yeah. That Bojack has come in and like, like get the timestamp ready. Like f-ed up an enormous, like significant part of her personal life in that. Ther- what like what a piece of shit. like move to steal someone's therapist and. Like it's it's there's a men in Hollywood commentary there. There's a Bojack the selfish arsehole commentary there. Mm-hmm. There's a power dynamics thing that there's like so much to it, mm-hmm. but it's infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating on Dan's behalf. So you're feeling that anger, and then she gets that anger out, yeah. and she like that is as her coping mechanism for her anger. You are sort of you like parity's restored a little bit by the end, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like. He had that coming in more ways than just the obvious. She tends to have a breakthroughs, Diane, as well, when this kind of stuff happens. It usually comes off the bat of Bojack being a real piece of shit. Like, mm. if you think back even to season one, when he went absolutely ballistic at the first read-through of the book. Yeah. And she ends up putting some of it online. This is almost like a reactive way to get back at him for being such an arsehole about it. And it ends up being something great. But this is a breakthrough for Diane. It's going to be, unfortunately, whether he wants it or not, it's going to have to be a breakthrough for Bojack because it's a reaction to having to physically come to grips with this is now known. Or he knows, even though the people who are doing the, the show still don't. That's the even better part about this. The people who are actually doing <laughs> Philbert don't know what this means. Yeah. But Bojack and Diane both know. And that end moment where you get the guitar strums really hammers home the fact that he knows that she knows now and she now knows that he knows that she knows that's a yeah. huge a huge deal and they, they hammer that home it's literally they, they might as well just put in subtitles underneath each of those guitar strums she knows 
that he knows, <laughs> that she knows, that he knows. Like, it's it's so, so brilliantly done. We could sit and wax lyrical about this for yeah. hours. I'm sure we already almost have at this point. And I'm sure I've said that line many times when we've done this <laughs> podcast, we'll be told. Should we go and break some of the funnier, interesting bits down? Why not? Uh, it yes, seems please. like a good time. We probably need to alleviate the pressure of the submarine, mm. perhaps, Michael. Uh, wow. But this is the part of the show called Horsing Around, where we go back to the beginning of the episode and just go through it and find all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details that you might have missed while watching the episode, or just the little Easter eggs that were dropped in to make you laugh, cry, or otherwise in this show. And there's always a few <laughs> of them, I think it's fair to say. So we go back to the very, very beginning of this episode. Just a quick one uh, from that cold open when we're in Sandro's place. They've popped up many times in this show. They've been around since season one, I think as early as episode two, with Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL, who, Michael, you should never steal a meal from. Um, <laughs> and it's the two dog women who are like best friends. You've seen them everywhere. They are in this episode, in the background, just eating a meal while um, Mary Beth and Dr. Indira are having a chat. Then we go to the opening credits. And because this is Bojack Horseman, and it's better than the show you like, Sorry, because this is Bobo the Angsty Zebra, and it's better than the show you like. We, of course, get a change to the credits in all of the best ways. Bojack is now quite literally Bobo the Angsty Zebra. Um, it's the only, they're very specifically, because and in fairness, I can understand why, they only change Bojack in this uh, opening credits. All the other characters remain their usual selves, because that would have been even more work, as you can imagine. Um but Bojack obviously wakes up. He's Bobo the Zebra. As we come through his bedroom door and you see those two uh, framed magazines that you usually see on the wall, they've changed as well. So the one that says TV Guru that usually has the picture of him and the cast from Horsing Around and says Horsing Around now says Striping Around <laughs> because, <he's... laughs> because I guess Zebra and Around didn't quite work. So Striping Around is what it says on there. And of course, the usual 90s magazine on the other side is now obviously also Bobo again. Um, as you go through the house, you see Gina, who is in Bojack's uh, living room, watching the TV, usually at the start of the credits these days. She is watching her and Bojack on screen. But of course, Bojack again has been changed to Bobo. She is not Gino, though, as she is in the show. She's still herself, I believe. And then as you go into the living room party segment of the opening credits, um, you see the bit on the TV where it's a Ryan Seacrest type and he's talking and in the corner, the little uh, image that goes in the corner, again, Bojack is Bobo. And then even just to make it com to complete the, the sort of collection, the image of Bobo the Angsty Zebra on the Lilo in the swimming pool at the end of the credits is just, it's so jarring and yet it's so excellent. Like we said earlier on, something about seeing all these characters differently, that little aesthetic change that kind of freshens mm. them all up really great and finally of course the actual titles of the show are different they actually read Bobo the Angsty Zebra and they have put the, the Z has got stripes on it instead of the usual horseshoe that we see for certain letters in the titles so a lot's to change in there I guess but we go to the, the opening after the credits and we're in Dr. Indira uh, Dr. Indira's therapy office, who we know is called, as you will see in the episode, Dr. Indira Daddy Shoe, D-A-D-Y-S-H-U-E. Um, and as we go into her office, we, of course, you get Princess, Princess, you get Diane, who is, of course, Princess Diana Michael in this, although Princess Diana only in Mary Beth's head because she kind of hears yeah. the name Diana. But rather excellently, Diane refers to herself as the Princess of Wales, 
as in Wales with an H, not the country <laughs> Wales. Because this is Bojack Horseman, Michael. So, of course, she's talking about being the princess of actual Wales, you know, like the mammal, because this is Bojack, <laughs> you see? Hey, it's, it's all good stuff, this. It's all good. And to add to that little, the little tweaks to the reality that we know, as Diane talks about the tape, I think she plays it in the, in the session. And on the tape, Bojack says, on the boat, there was a girl in New Mexico. And she trusted me. Also, I'm a zebra. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just such an amazing bit of lazy, like, character addition. But it's really funny. It really, really does land well. We then go to the set of uh, Philbert. And this isn't really anything particularly. It just made me laugh so much. There's a moment where Diane and Bojack have just spoken about how he doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, I think Bojack's on the, the soapbox essentially telling everyone he doesn't want to talk about his dead mother. Diane walks to cater and to grab a muffin and as she turns around with the muffin Bojack is literally just stood there so she walks into Bojack which then pushes the muffin into her face and completely <laughs> squashes the blueberry muffin in her face it's an amazing visual, really funny little bit of animation, cartoon-esque in a world that seems to have gone mad in this episode. <laughs> we go into Flippy's office now who is of course a dolphin which is just great because <laughs> they are a white at the end of his name and it seems like the natural progression, Flip the dolphin Obviously, all the time he talks in the episode, he talks in dolphin speak with little subtitles below. But brilliantly, his subtitles read as follow when he's first talking to Diane. He says, I'm so tired of jumping through hoops and trying to keep balls in the air. <laughs> <laughs> because much like a show dolphin would do. And then on top of that, um, inside the office, all the things we usually see on the wall of like act one, scene one, um, the little quotes from Nietzsche and all that, they've all been changed. And instead... They're just variations of the letter E in like e, 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 like <laughs> splashed around all these different bits. A brilliant little touch that, but it's so funny because it's just oh, yeah. in 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 keeping with all of the noises that are coming out of his mouth. I would do it, but unfortunately, as we discovered in a bit of a pre-podcast bit, I can't do the noise anymore. <laughs> they were really good dolphin noise, I think, back in the day. Anyway, we go to the flashback. Um, as uh, Indira and Mary Beth are talking at Sandro's place, we get a quick flashback, Michael, which also suggests to me that maybe, I don't know if this makes them better or makes um, makes Dr. Indira a better therapist, or maybe you should tell us a few things we need to know, because there's a flashback that to her and Mary Beth themselves, who are in a counselling session with Dr. Janet, who you may recall has been in previous seasons, of course, uh, most notably trying to help Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter through their marital problems. Yes. Uh, Dr. Janet, of course, brilliantly played by one uh, Lorraine Brackle, who is, of course, Michael, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Melfi, which when we first did this back when we were doing season one or two or whatever it was, would have meant nothing to me particularly. But now I haven't seen course, Sopranos. Yeah. This all hits much better. She doesn't actually speak in this one, but I was immediately reminded of how she does the voice for her in previous seasons. But this is a couple's therapist, and of course we are seeing that Mary Beth and Dr. Indira are in a couple's therapist session. So read into that whatever you will as she Mm. points to her uh, little note on the whiteboard basically telling them to not beat themselves up. Don't beat yourself up, there's on the board. Um, So we go from there to Princess Carolyn's apartment, and as you'll see, a few things have changed in there. As Princess Caroline is obviously a tangled fog of pulsating yearning in the shape of a woman, I believe is her full title in this episode. But that means, of course, things in her apartment have also changed. So what usually reads as a, a cat on a hot tin roof poster that she has, which in itself is obviously a play 
Uh, this it currently reads yarn on a hot tin roof, and things have been changed to include yarn. And then the post that it is meant to be, it's meant to be when Harry met Sally, but it's in the usual board at universe. It's when Tabby met Snappy between two turtles has again been changed to when Foggy met Misty. <laughs> <laughs> if you can follow that, that's that. what that's occurs in this universe. Uh, of course, Todd is Emperor Fingerface in all of this, which is excellent, really funny stuff. This the fact he has the little his hat is on the little his middle finger of his hat, it's like a tiny version of his hat yeah. on the middle finger, which is a really great visual. Um, but then on top of that, Princess Carolyn in her tangled fog of pulsating yearning, you'll see has like a pair of scissors for ears. She has a thimble for a nose, and then like a needle and a thread have been used to do the details on her face, like with the tiny bit of needle sticking out over the top of our, <laughs> one of our eyebrows. It's really well done. Um, but we go from there to Todd's office, and there's a couple of funny bits in here. Most notably, though, um, you know the mystery man we've talked about, the man who does mm. not speak. He only eats in Todd's office. We've seen him eating like cashew nuts, I think it was, and we've seen him doing the in and out buckets of like chicken or whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, or corn it was, sweet corn, corn mm. on the cob. He's now actually become... Part of the furniture in Todd's office. Quite literally, Michael, he is now the couch in Todd's office. <laughs> For whatever reason, they've made him the couch in Todd's office. Literally, the couch has got braces. It's got the man's face on it. It's got a moustache. And it's also got the little bow tie that he wears on the did chair. You, did any of this register when you first watched the show? Because this uh, every uh, week, this just hits me so hard that like all of this was even happening. I, I, I remember noticing him, but for some reason, he never... like. I'd notice him, but I never went, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a thing. I would notice him, but but mm. I would never, ever really acknowledge the fact that he was relevant in any way, shape, or form. Um, but from there, anyway, as he was in the, being a couch potato, I guess, in this particular episode, <laughs> across to the set of Philbot once again. As you mentioned brilliantly, Gina is now Gino. What a funny little bit that is. <laughs> she's got short hair now with a moustache, but still speaks like Gina, which is just great. Uh, Stephanie Beatriz, of course, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine fame, you may know her as. Um, what was that from that show? Um, we get Mr. Peanut Butter, of course, who is now Mr. Chocolate Hazelnut Spread. And <laughs> as an interesting little detail, he's also now a chocolate Labrador in the episode because that fits and makes sense. Um, and also, Diane, you will notice at one point, knocks over a box of light bulbs, Michael, which itself is a callback to, I believe it might even be the first episode of this season, the light bulb, where Bojack obviously has to screw the light bulb mm. in naked. There's just like a box of light bulbs there. I'm sure there's probably a gag in there somewhere about how, instead of how many certain people does it take to change a light bulb, how many light bulbs does it take to solve the problem that they're going through right now, oh most likely. Um, we go to Mary Beth's office there from there, and we see as uh, she's given the uh, counselling to Todd and Princess Carolyn. There's like a, we've got a quick snap of her whiteboard there. It says Mary Beth's meditation map, and there's just all these buzzwords on there like share, hear, listen, process, talk, agree, disagree, grow, learn, recognise, understand, compromise, meet and act. I assume the last one says, although Princess Carolyn's uh, fog is covering up the last letter, I think, mm -hmm. there. Um, but we also see a poster on the wall that says, time for teamwork. And you see like a hand that sort of shows the time on there. And interestingly enough, Michael, of course there's that poster, because where do they work? They work for what time is it right now anyway, or whatever it's called. And Nice little picture of a clock. Just to remind you, Michael, that of teamwork course. and time are relevant in this company because who doesn't need that reminder when it's literally in the title of the company? God damn it. T time work makes the drime work. 
Anyway, the next thing <laughs> uh, is, I tell you what, let's go from your absolute garbage patter there to <laughs> a tongue twister worthy of the ages, Michael, because oh, I'm yeah. absolutely I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm dreading this one. I'll be honest. This is the hardest one I think I've ever had to do. So it doesn't even come from Princess Carol, of course. This comes from Mary Beth as she's talking about um, working in uh, mediation as she does. Yeah. So here we go. Fingers crossed. Hold on your hats. As she says, <clears throat> so a brief recapitulation. This is not a room for repudiation or condemnation over string cheese appropriation accusations. Mediation is an invitation for an open conversation, frustration, de-escalation and exchange of information, which in summation removes any justification for litigation involving this corporation. So there you go. Just in case very you didn't good, know already, that's what Mary Beth okay. does for a living. And uh, a bit of trivia, though, for you here as well from that session. As you mentioned, Todd uh, his, was waiting all week to eat his string cheese until he found it was missing. Princess Caroline then points out, she says, but this was Wednesday. Like, how have you waited all week till Wednesday? And Todd, <laughs> as you will now know, but courtesy of this trivia, measures his weeks, Michael, Thursday to Wednesday. <laughs> because, of course, he did. He's, he's Todd. He does whatever he wants. And I think that should be something that we we might have to look into there. What mm. day does that mean your weekend is? Is that your weekend is then Tuesday and Wednesday, technically? Or does it mean it's Monday and Tuesday? I don't know. That sounds like sounds like a problem for someone far more intelligent than us. But then also, brilliantly, in this same um, mediation session, uh, when Mary Beth asks Todd, can we use I statements, please, for God's sake? And then Todd basically says, aye, 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 you took my chance. <laughs> <laughs> Magical stuff, this. We could from there, though, across to Sandro's place. And I have already mentioned that amazing meta breakdown, but I'll just run you through it again that they do in the conversation. They say there's definitely more to your story than there is to mine. Mine's more like a secondary story, a B story, if you will, Michael. I have a feeling it will continue to offer a light alternative as my story gets increasingly serious, Dr. Mandira says. Before Mary Beth says, let's continue to switch back and forth between our stories, pausing at their most interesting moments. That feels like the most natural way to have a conversation. What should you do? Listen to our podcast, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so great, this one. Yeah, so fantastic great. stuff. And it doesn't, it never feels out of place, the meta breakdowns. They always find the line and just walk on it ever so carefully. We go from here, though, to Dr. Indira's office. Um. And I just thought there's this brilliant line here. They've been hammering this home a bit throughout the series so far, throughout this season, rather. And Bojack continually struggling with the fact that literally the whole show is in a house that looks just like his. He's waking up. He doesn't know what day it is. He says, yeah, and obviously you've got to take into account as well. He is now on uh, medication, of course, where he's back, isn't he? Mm. Which um, we kind of kind of forget about, but that is something he's... He's going through. He says to Dr. Indira, so in my dreams, I'm Philbat. Sometimes when I wake up, I don't know if I'm Philbat or me or if I'm still dreaming, which just sounds like the kind of thing that Bojack would get himself into this because of the mm. life that he leads. But how hard must that be if you're an actor and you're trying to like balance all that around? And then you've got the problem he has with the fact that he's having medication every day. And then you've got the problem. He's just Bojack Horseman, a stupid piece of shit. <laughs> which is never easy to handle. Anyway, we go from there to Sandro's place once again. And Dr. Indira, while talking to Mary Beth, drops some real bars here, Michael. She says, I'm a therapist. A doctor heals, a DJ spins, and Jessica Chastain takes whatever gigs that Amy Adams says no to. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately, your brain does the math and goes, yeah, I think that checks out. Yeah, that checks, checks out. out. We get a little flashback, though, 
brilliantly when Mary Beth is telling her side of the story, she talks about she's talking to Princess Carolyn when she's trying to convince her to tell a little white lie to Todd. And she sort of says, I tell white lies to my uh, partner all the time, uh, which, again, might suggest why they were both seeing Dr. Janet earlier in that little yeah. flashback. But um, brilliantly, we get the flashback within the flashback of the weirdness where she says she's changed the name of her own partner, Dr. Indira, to Dr. Underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary Beth is just sat at a bar having a conversation with a floating pair of underpants that has like an Amy Winehouse-esque hair beehive. And she's sort of saying, I really like your new hairstyle, honey. Which gets bollocked in real life by Indira, who's like, wait, you didn't actually like my hair, did you? Brilliant stuff. Doctor it's like, underwear, man. It's doctor just underwear. So unnecessary. And we wonder who wears the pants, Michael? Well, I think it's just Beyonce. <laughs> we go from there, though, back to Mary Beth's office once again in the middle of her story. And as this whole thing between Todd and Princess Carolyn starts to escalate and they talk about food more specifically, uh, what is fair play food or fair game food and what isn't, Todd, in his anger, gets the pen and starts drawing on the whiteboard. A bunch, he starts rattling off what foods may or may not be fair game food. Hilariously, though, because of the names of the foods that he drops, he's just drawing circles, but continually bigger circles on the board. <laughs> so it says, like, grapes, eggs, pie. And each time he draws a circle, it gets a little bit bigger before he cuts the pie up and then shows how the slices would be fair game, but a full <laughs> pie wouldn't be fair game. But then brilliantly, and this is just another tiny detail this show does, but does better than anybody. Todd uses his hand, which ironically, as we all know, is his face in this whole episode, <laughs> to wipe off the parts of the pies. He's turned it into, into a, like a slice of pie instead of the full pie that he'd drawn. And I don't know if you've ever wiped something off a whiteboard, Michael, with your hand. But you know when you get those little bits of like the fragments of whiteboard? Yeah. Mm. Well, he just has them on his hand for the rest of that little conversation. And it, it's like on his face in this point. And the little I saw red, that, yeah. Such a beautiful detail because that, Great that detail. I have experienced that firsthand, mm. quite literally. <laughs> it does stay on you. And the way they've animated it and illustrated it, it looks just so perfectly good. I don't mm. know, it sounds a bit nearly that, but it was really something I enjoyed as an aesthetic choice in this episode. We go from there, though, to another office. This time we're back in Flippy's office. <laughs> and uh, I just thought we should take a moment, Michael, to really appreciate the artistic brilliance of Flippy, because he is producing some incredible work here. And as Diane reads the work that he's been doing since the last time she spoke to him, I think you'll agree he's making some huge strides forward. She reads it out. Interior sub, Philbat, Philbat, Flap Flap, Flippy Flap, Fart Barf, Barf Me a River, Fart Bag. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, Flip Flippy says to <laughs> says to Diane in a series of like dolphin barks or whatever they are, is this anything? <laughs> <laughs> when she reads it back to him as if maybe you might be onto something here. But remember that because it will come into play mm. later on. We do get outside of the office though immediately after that. And I just thought it was amazing because we go from the accidental naming of Princess Carolyn to her being turned into Priscilla the Crustacean. And I wish like Watch the episode, obviously, as always with Bojack Horseman, because the way they do this, I don't know. She comes out, Princess Carolyn. She goes from being Princess Carolyn to being a flamingo dancing pink crab who is essentially using her claws to dance her way into the scene while she's talking <laughs> and back out. And it was just, it was just so good. It really cracked me up that because she went from nothing to something hilarious in a matter 
of seconds. But we go from um, Flip's office outside, we go across to uh, Dr. Indira's office once again. And brilliantly, as Diane and Indira are kind of terminating their relationship as therapist and client, <sighs> it was going to happen at some point. Someone had to do it. Elton John's been on, Michael. He's still standing because he pops in <laughs> as Indira says, live your life, Diana, like a candle in the wind. Because, of there course, we had to make reference to that. Yeah. And then we go from there to outside of Sandro's place. The uh, Indira and Mary Beth have finished up that meal. And Mary Beth is having that breakthrough where she realises that Princess Carolyn can't possibly have been mm-hmm. the one who took the, the uh, string cheese. But she's on the phone to Todd and she steals a line from her partner but gives it a bit of a twist, Michael, and you'll see what I mean in just a second. She says to Todd on the phone after, he says, oh, thank you very much for sorting this. And she's like, well, a doctor heals, a DJ spins, and Bryce Dallas Howard takes the gig as Jessica Chastain <laughs> says no to And Mary Beth mediates. <laughs> it's almost like she's suggesting that a bunch of uh, ginger white women in Hollywood are interchangeable. At <laughs> that doesn't, that's, uh, I wouldn't want to personally comment on that, but that sounds like what she might be saying. I want the continuation of that joke forever. Me too. Well. Me too. Who is the next? Who's next on the list at Podcast Horseman? Who <laughs> have in that category? Not that we like the typecast, everybody, of course, but it is a funny joke nonetheless. We go from there to Princess Carolyn's apartment. And I love this. Todd will always find a way to make me laugh in this show, but this in particular really did make me laugh. Because imagine how old Todd is at this point in his life, right? He's he's done a lot of great things Todd. Todd Todd has been a millionaire mate let's not forget yeah done a lot of great things uh, <laughs> but one thing he's never done Michael is had to pay I believe it's pronounced rent. <laughs> <laughs> he is of course referring to rent but Todd has never in his life had to interact with the term rent and almost pronounces it in a French way when he says it to Princess Carolyn <laughs> it's just so funny this rent. <laughs> Todd, I don't know how old he must be, but the fact that he's never done that really did crack me up. Yeah. But uh, we go from Princess Carolyn's apartment for the last little run here onto the set of Philbat. And brilliantly, Michael, as I'd, I wasn't joking, you know, when I said the Flip had, or Flippy in this case, had come up with some really great work. Because what is the line that Mr. Peanut Butter says when Diane has finally had her breakthrough and written the script as he shot a bunch of people to death inside the submarine? Mr. Peanut Butter says, Bath me a river, fart bags. <laughs> Unbelievable, Diane. Like Diane has somehow managed to take the utter, <laughs> and ironically, it's, it's Peanut Butter that says it, the utter dog shit that <laughs> has come out with, and she's actually turned it into something usable in this episode. That's how good the women of Hollywood are, Michael. All the men <laughs> are absolute hacks in this show. Anyway, from there. <laughs> From there, of course, after Flip um, finding is, is watching it all unfold on screen and is amazed at what's happening. He, as we, you mentioned earlier, he says to Diane, how did you come up with all this? And she, of course, says, it's a story I heard once. I just changed all the names, which is literally this entire episode. And my God, this show really is better than you like. Only to be capped off, of course, by Flip walking away at the end of a day that was ultimately one of his worst days on set saying I'm a genius as he walks away, thinking he has done it all because he's an absolute hack, Michael. Unbelievable stuff this week. Really, mm-hmm. really, really funny, but also really, really detailed in a way that I just love whenever I get an episode like this to kind of dive into. But 
that's everything from this week's instalment of Horsing Around. But as always, Michael, do you want to check with the sponsors? I'll let you check with the sponsors one second. What do you reckon? What do they say? Do the sponsors say we can do it or not? Yeah, I think we've had work from the sponsors. It sounds good. Good, excellent. Our friends over at What Time Is Right Now anyway, have given us... I, I always want to call it What Time Is It Right Now anyway, but it is, of course, just whattimeisitrightnow.com. They have given us the go-ahead once again so we can do one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Michael, I'll let you go first this week because I know you've had a long day and you just want to get this in the can. That's not true. You love this podcast. I know that. No. You've you had a long day. Mine, like indeed myself, is just big and stupid. I like um, that, obviously, Flip is Flippy because of Flipper, Flippy, Dolphin, etc, etc, etc. But in a way, I think it's quite nice that it actually reveals him to be far closer to the truth than the other characters. He is very literally, a, well, I, I suppose they're not a fish, are they? But the fish out of water, he is struggling on land outside of his comfort yeah. zone, which is Flip. In this world, he's he's a hack. He's no good at this. Way, way, way out of his depth. Um, as a dolphin is in an office without water around him, and yeah. the fact that all the lines you're getting from him is nonsense, that feels realer than Flip faking it till he makes it as a human being. In this attempt to present a world that is farcical and fake, they've actually found a truer version of Flip than the one that turns up for work every day on the film set. I think arguably the one in this, the version of them that we get in this episode might actually be more, like, might actually offer more <laughs> than what <laughs> Flip McVicker himself has offered since we started his his journey in this show. Nevertheless, though, if you want to talk about something that's a brilliant little bit of detail, and this is this is the kind of detail, Michael, I absolutely go crazy for this. It's a really good one, this. Now, as you recall, Michael, if we go back to Season 5, Episode 3, Planned Obsolescence, of course, where Todd goes round to uh, Yolanda's house. And the, ob- arguably the most farcical episode in this show, uh, to this to this point, certainly. Uh, one, you and I both. It landed and it didn't land. It had its moments. Although I will say, actually, this is, feels like a weird type of segue here, but uh, we did when we did get some DMs in the podcast horseman DMs about this. There was an excellent take about this, which I think actually might have opened my eyes to it a little bit more about just how much how intrusive people talking about sex is, and not taking into consideration people who don't actually ever talk about or want to think about having sex in terms of the asexual world. Like, yeah, think about the way our world is tailored. That's what the episode is supposed to kind of mm. highlight the real intense nature because it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. Mm. And if you don't want to talk about it, tough shit because someone's going to make you want to talk yeah. about it. Anyway, that is all a segue. And thank you, by the way, to everybody who does those DMs. We do enjoy them. A segue away from my one last thing, though, because we do go back to that episode. What happens in that episode, Michael? The barrel of lube, the family heirloom of lube falls open. And at one point during the madness, Todd takes off his shoe in an attempt to try and plug up the barrel, doesn't he? I think yes. he doesn't want to use his penis, so he thinks about maybe using something else. <laughs> he tries to use his shoe. It all goes a bit wrong. They all go flying because the lube tod ends up going scarping everywhere, all sorts of different places. And then at the start of this episode, when Todd and Princess Carolyn are in the house, Princess Carolyn says, oh, you better get ready. He chucks him his shoes. And as she chucks him his shoes, Michael, Todd catches him. And you will notice that Todd now has one black shoe and one brown shoe, Michael. 
because Todd lost his shoe in all the madness at Yolanda's house. Amazing. And has never had the shoe back. And for the rest of this episode, and presumably now <laughs> for the rest of time, whenever Todd is going to be in this suit, he's now wearing one brown shoe oh, and one black shoe. Because he lost it while he was trying to plug up a barrel of lube one night in Season 5, Episode 3. If you don't think this show is the best show, you're an <laughs> idiot, right? You're an idiot. I mean, you're an idiot who maybe hasn't learned yet, so I'm not going to completely beat you over the head. <laughs> and, and, if, and if you're listening, you've done one thing right. Thanks for listening to me, Colin. If you are listening to us, thanks for listening. Yeah, we do appreciate our podcast. You stupid idiot. You stupid idiot. Not all of you, of course, not all of you. That, not, I'm you. Not, not, you not you listening, you know who you are. You're not you. I mean, thank you for listening to this podcast, obviously, Mike. We <laughs> appreciate that. It's the top tier television in everything, whether it's a small detail, whether it's a narrative thing, whether it's just, I don't know, the aesthetics of the show. It is top, top tier, and it will do everything in its power to remind you with an episode like this, where it is an absolute smorgasbord of things to enjoy. Whew, I'm getting hot and bothered. I'm getting hot and bothered. <laughs> is that it? That's us, isn't it? That's all of the stuff. Yeah, that's all of the bits and bobs. Those are our one last things for this week. All that remains for you all who aren't. You're not all stupid idiots. I mean, some of you probably are, but we do love the fact that you join in <laughs> this podcast every week. As Michael correctly pointed out to me, as you you've all you all got here, you all listen to the podcast, which makes yeah. means you you're doing something right, I think it's fair mm. to say. And you obviously like this show enough. Please don't all disappear from the show. We enjoy <laughs> this community that we have built on Podcast Horseman. And if you do indeed also like it, please do give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can let us know your favourite parts of the show. You can uh, just tell us tell us your thoughts on Bojack Horseman. Send us a private message if you feel like you want to get some stuff off your chest about the show. We, uh, we can't always reply to them, but we do always love reading them. And yeah, in general, if you just want to have some sort of discourse about your favourite talking horse and talk yourself horse, about everyone's favourite talking horse, please do that. You can also follow either of your hosts, if you would like, on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me, at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we would like you to follow, I believe. That's now not subscribe. On Spotify, where you can follow there as well. On Amazon Music, where, you know, just like... Don't waste your money on frivolous stuff because the world's going back to normal and you're going to have less of it to spend soon. So listen to a podcast instead. Go for hours. On Acast, where you can subscribe and where you can stream, all that sort of good stuff. Pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. I've recently discovered Overcasts. I'm going to give them a free plug because I really like Overcasts as a podcast app. You can find us on there as well. I checked. It was my first subscription on there. Um, pretty much anywhere you can get them, you can get Podcast Horsemen, including on the tweet every Friday that we send out to announce the new episode being live on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. That's an embedded a cast link where you can listen to it through there if you prefer um and that ties us quite nicely to our hollywood talk of fame ordinarily we would love you to send your five star reviews from uh, apple or spotify uh something nasty something nice whatever just uh get it in the text box give us five stars and we'll read it out on the podcast and you will get your very own star on our hollywood talk of fame but not for season five for season five we're doing something a little bit different we're looking for quote tweets it's been a great way for us to build our impressions a little bit through Twitter to get a little bit of extra conversation going on, a little bit of the podcast getting shared. If you want to quote tweet that link that goes out on a Friday, share it with your followers, talk a little bit about the podcast. We would love and appreciate that. And you too will get your very own special season five star, which is exactly what Cameron Beadle did. That's at Cameron underscore Beadle. They shared the following. Bojack Horseman podcasters, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. 
And what's great here is Cameron in the tweet has obviously put the abbreviation in for people just to make it a lot simpler. Of course, that is brackets B-H-P-W-D-T-K-D-T-K-T-L-F-O, close brackets. Fantastic mm. pod with two absolute legends talking themselves horse about the talking horse. Thanks for getting me to be a fan of the show, guys. Keep up the great work. Cameron, thanks very much for that. Thank you for telling us you got into Bojack Horseman. What a great result. I hope it's been a satisfying for you to watch as it has been for us and indeed you're enjoying the podcast. A season five star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way to you over our socials very soon. And what was that abbreviation again, Michael? That was B-H-P-W-D-T-K-D-T-K-T-L-F-O. God, I should I... love doing that to you in season two. Man. <laughs> that was one of my favourite things to do to you, just to wind you up a little bit more and make sure you were paying attention. <laughs> Rifling through pages and pages of my notes to find the last time I wrote it down. Furiously scowling at me as we were doing these. <laughs> you, you don't know the scowls I got when I used to ask for that. Yes, thank you for everybody who does uh, send us those five-star reviews. And as I said, we will be aiming to get some out. If not this week, then next week at the absolute latest. But I think it's going to be this weekend. So keep an eye out for those I look forward to completely forgetting about that and getting all your abusive messages on Twitter. It's my favourite. Anyway, let's go to the synopsis for next week's episode and distract you with something shiny before you all come hunting for me. Uh, Season 5, episode 8, we will be moving on to. And oh boy, it's a good one. It's not a heavy one, but it is a funny one. It's one of my favourites in terms of the wacky plots that you get. This one is uh, Season 5, episode 8, as we said, Mr. Peanut Butter's Booze. At Bojack's 25th annual Halloween party, just let that sink in for a second, Pickles gets a crash course in Mr. Peanut Butter's romantic history and some advice from Diane, who, fresh off a breakthrough with Bojack, (laughs) apparently isn't finished there, Michael. (laughs) But if you want to find out what happens in that episode, you will indeed have to come back next week for another episode of both Bojack Horseman and Podcast Horseman. In the meantime, I've been Alan Ficklebitch. I've been Walter Legohead Chucklebrother Superfan. And this has been Podcast Angsty Zebra. <laughs>